So this morning's Dharma talk is titled Friending Ego, uh, Befriending Ego, Making Friends with Yourself, with Your Ego. The idea, Trung Phu Rinpoche originally talked about this 40, 50 years ago, about working with the negativity that arises in the mind stream uh, in a way of uh, working with it as something that uh, we could at least be friendly with so we can get a better idea of what's actually happening there rather than the leading edge of the ego being that aspect of it is is embarrassing to us or uh, that we immediately judge and think, oh, that's egotistical. Um, And it may be relatively, maybe self-centered, egotistical, narcissistic, but we we try to stop it or do away with it based on we think it's real and we think it's something else that we can somehow get rid of or shove aside. What's being suggested here of friending or befriending the ego is, I wouldn't say it's, I would say it's uh, not probable. Uh, it's not likely to, to occur unless there's a strong awareness practice that is actually developing. Uh, that's not the exact word, but I'm going to use that. It's like re, uh, uh, realigning our attitude to be one of receiving things rather than producing. Pr- uh, when I say producing, I'm saying, I'll give you an example. I like it. I don't like it. It's good. It's bad. That shouldn't be. They shouldn't be saying that. Why are they doing that? Why is this happening to me? There I go again. Blah, 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 blah. All of this may feel to the ego like we're getting somewhere. Well, at least we don't. Well, at least we, uh, at least, at least, at least, at least. There's probably not any progress there other than if you call uh, circularity progress. Passion, aggression, ignorance, passion, aggression, ignorance, passion, aggression, ignorance. That circularity may not back off or lessen or straighten out by looking at it, but it certainly won't change its circularity and its confusion, delusion, and uh, confusion uh, by uh, taking a bite out of part of it and trying to rip it apart or trying to stop it based on... I won't look too good if I say that, do that. It'll look egotistical. I must look, I must be egotistical. That being said, the sitting practice of meditation, and you've heard me say this hundreds of times, probably, if you're, if you're uh, been around a hundred times, sit still. You don't need tantric practices. If you do, I'll help you with that. You may. You may. I can teach you a little bit of that. Or I can just send you off to a Lama or send you to Nepal where you can get the, uh, true material. I'm not mocking that at all. We wouldn't be here if it weren't for Tibet, if it weren't for Japan or China, or all of the various countries that have uh, welcomed and hosted the teachings of the Buddha. Very necessary, it seems, to train the mind to see clearly, see clearly, to sharpen the blade, sharpen the blade, sit down, hold still, watch what moves, and thereby sharpen that aspect of the consciousness that can't be located because it has no it has no status as something, as a thing. You can't locate your awareness. That area of the mind we call awareness is so incredibly complicated, and science is trying to work with that. It has all kinds of gauges and dials and connectors and so on. Not incorrect. Making some progress there, probably, relative progress. Not wrong, not incorrect, it's fine. But it seems necessary to 
to re kind of you could say recondition our mind to whatever's showing up just look at it uh, the other way is observe the other word is observe the other other word is receive it observe it just observe it and then notice at the same time you're observing that notice also receive or observe how much you object to it aggression how much you agree with it or justify it or validate it or do a little dance around it saying who caused it why it's happening so easy much easier to go into that and by doing that you actually avoid the original pain or anxiety around that and it does what goes underground ignorance does it do that i don't know i have no idea i have no proof i don't need proof if you need proof you're listening to the wrong person i have no proof lots of people operate that way and i'm not saying that there isn't something called proof that is accurate necessary and in some cases very necessary <clears throat> but it's so easy for the self-centered mind the ego mind the greedy mind to slip in there and use that as a credential to do things that it, that, it, that is none of its business and no i can't give you examples of that so by friending by extending yourself towards the that aspect of your mind that you may be recognizing as your ego you you begin to you begin to notice the way the smelliness of that the 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 stickiness of that and a kind of a repulsive maybe maybe i'm going too far i'm just talking about my ego it's just disgusting to see the way the self the the so-called imputed self the somebody who wants something and doesn't want that, will, what lengths it will go to to cover up, to extend its territory and have all kinds of, excuse me, proof that it should be doing that. All kinds of validations based on relative truth. It's a difficult path. If you're here and listening, then you're probably at least considering this. So as I was saying, without having a strong awareness practice, a strong way of sharpening this blade, when it comes to stepping into post-meditation or your everyday life, that that chopping action that needs to happen, that, that intelligence that looks at anything that arises and looks at it directly, cuts right into it and sees. It doesn't divide it. This kind of cutting doesn't divide. It's a kind of cutting that actually sees the division. So it's not, it's just a participation. You could say it that way, that it participates in it. It doesn't make it worse. It doesn't make it better. We come in and we actually look at the warfare, the tiny little skirmishes that we're creating inside our mind stream moment after moment. As it says, and it was a Hokio's on my says, uh, picking and choosing is the disease of the mind, or is that something else? Sandrakai. So it wasn't either one of those. So I was wrong. Say it. Was I wrong? Say it. Good one. <laughs> I was corrected. It's in the sense in Ming or trust in the heart. No, it doesn't. It doesn't really matter about that. Just matter, that's the teaching, and I'm not a scholar, so I might not keep track of those kind of concepts. You may need to do that. I may need to do that. So it isn't that we don't decide or pick and choose between things, but we do it with a relative situation that shows up in our life where the situation, the causes and conditions that arise, pratitya samutpada, the dependent origination that looks so much like otherness, like other things coming, other things going, good coming, bad coming. It looks so incredibly real, this delusion that we live in. 
It's so incredibly real. Without a spiritual path, without a path that begins to work with the fundamentals of delusion, the circularity, the picking and choosing aspect of right and wrong, up and down, back and forth, and the one that seals the whole deal and makes it a believable situation is life and death. You see somebody there, your friend, and or your mother, or your child for that matter, and they die. And you're supposed to call that a delusion. It's uh, what is it? Uh, so, uh, I can't remember which teacher. I'll probably you can correct me on this one too. It was probably Marvel the translator. When I think it was him when his son died. Uh, someone died. His uh, he was just blown away by it and extremely grief stricken. And his students uh, came and said, well, "Is this an illusion?" So and he says, "Yes, but this is a super illusion." <laughs> so was that justification? No, it's just. It's not that you have to act like things are unreal. That's not the point. If you're here, you have eyeballs, you have ears, you have a nose, tongue, body, mind complex. You're part of this. You are this. You're not separate from this. It's just about the awareness. It's not about conclusions. This is unreal. Those are taught so that you can begin to see that things are neither real nor are they unreal. But it's easier to approach that if you first start out and, start out and say, it is, a, it is an illusion, it's a delusion, it is unreal. And then you begin to see that, that actually the actual teaching is it's neither, nor is it both. That's, this is a, sometimes taught as emptiness, sometimes taught, taught, taught as true perception, or uh, seeing the nature of reality, simply put in English, you see what it is. It's not separate, nor is it all one. It's also a mistake that when you say it's all one, you stop looking at what you stop receiving and start producing your all of your ideas about all oneness and greed. So this making friends or friending, being friends with has to do with strong awareness practice. So that some of it is happening in that area, but most of it is happening post-meditation or in your interactions with others where you're actually beginning to put others before yourself. This doesn't mean you put them ahead of you, some kind of a, a gesture of, of generosity or something. It's just that you receive, you just receive what's, what's showing up in any given situation without doing anything with it, without concluding or excluding. The ego mind will say, I can't do that. That I'm too vulnerable that way. I can't, I can't be that vulnerable. I have to know what's happening next. I have to plan. I have to, have to, have to. And maybe you do, but that also is situational. So there's no way someone, me or anyone else, is going to give you some kind of protocol about when you actually need to get out your notepad and start to plan something, how, what you're going to do, and another time where you just need to receive that. That also is dependently risen. There is no solid self anywhere. And if you, if you can somehow see the contraction into somebody, the contraction of the fist of, into ego, and see that, if you can see that, you have to see it deeply. You have to see all those fingers. You have to see the thumb closing over the top. You have to see the entire contraction that, pro that propels the energy of hatred and greed and ignorance, shutting down. I won't look at it. I won't, I won't look at that anymore. Nice painting. Dogen, 
and Karmapakshi. Who is that? Queen Sharmama. Who painted that? Yeah, Mayun. Thank you, Mayun. Any questions so far? Well, I guess I must have made myself pretty clear. It's not from Chris Smith, is it? Good. <laughs> no, but it's from Shane in Virginia. <laughs> Shane, where have you been? Why aren't you on book study? Go ahead. Does the ego have needs beyond the basic situation? Well, it thinks it does. Thinks the ego is a process that happens in consciousness that is a, a that is a fundamental nature is paranoia, and it's tied in with belief that you're just a body that there isn't anything else but just this body situation. So sometimes it's been said. I don't necessarily agree with this, but there's there's something to it. You can't really transcend uh, 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 an ego unless it's a healthy ego. You can't transcend uh, someone with low esteem can't uh, do this. But I think that's I think that's too big of a blanket statement. It's much more uh, subtle than that. Jeez, I'm bowing. Is there some degree of mental stability required to practice shikantaza? Yes. Some people, maybe that's where you're going. Some people should not be practicing shikantaza. They should be talking to a therapist, not shikantaza. And those those people weed themselves out because shikantaza is extremely hard to do. It might not be too hard the first few days, few weeks, few months, but it gets harder because the, the, the coming, you get closer and closer and closer to that fundamental realization that, that everything you thought was true and you were depending on, you were leaning on, it was, it was untrue. So it can get quite frightening. Go ahead. Okay. Bowing, I think earlier you said um, saying, oh, we're all one is a form of greed. Yes. How is that? <laughs> so the statement just betrays or belies that kind of an attitude of, well, we're all one. It's a, it's kind of a conclusive thing that grasps at the situation. It's like people are exploring the situation. We're looking at the situation and then for somebody to come and say that just gathers up all the energy, but we're all one. It's like saying that to a, a Buddhist and Christian, uh, and an um, indigenous person and a, a Muslim, or, you know, we're all, we're, all, we're all one. No, we're not. We're not separate. If you said that, then, then that leaves the whole mystery still wide open. So we're not separate. But how is that? That causes you to see how, with all this separation, how is it that he, she, they can say this is not separate? Whereas if you say we're all one, it's, it's such a conceptual con contraction. So it's a kind of, it's not that there's somebody who's, who's obviously greedy. The greed operands, uh, happens in a different way. It's basically called passion, clinging to something, fixating on an idea because, oh, oh, at least we're all one. No, we're not. It's more threatening than that. More. 
Did that make a little bit of that resonate? Yeah. Can you paraphrase what I just said? Probably not. Reflect on it. See if you could see if you could take what I just said, because you I feel like the understanding of that came show was beginning to show up there. See if you can actually tell somebody else about that without manipulating them. Yes. You just said it's a conceptual contraction. What what does a conceptual contraction do to us? It contracts. It contracts the, the awareness and brings it down. It's kind of a way of hoarding things. So we, get, we, don't, we don't want too many things to get out there and out of our control of wandering around like uh, orphans. We need to keep those in our little clan of me, 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 and my stuff, my ideas, my opinions. You can, they're, they're extremely intelligent pe people that, that are doing this in some way. I'm not accusing anyone of anything. But if you listen to somebody, I'm just going to pick on somebody who's, and I'll compliment the person first because they're extremely intelligent. I think his name is Jordan Peterson. That fellow's name. I got his name wrong. Brilliant fellow, as is his daughter. Brilliant. I mean, really, really intelligent, way higher intelligence level than I have. And I'm not being what this is not humility. It's just the truth. So I'm thinking the thinking processes. I was blessed with, blessed with not being so smart. So I was able to really look at this instead of use my intellect to cover up what I needed to see. A lot of scholars, I'm not going to name names here, but cover up what they need to see by being so brilliant about how to describe it. They're just masters of discussing emptiness and uh, praticca samadpada or whatever. And we all study those, don't we? This is not... It's not a judgment. It's just saying there are different ways of handling what shows up in your mind stream. And one of them is, is intellectual. But you can get trapped by that because you find out that you actually can say this in such a way that other people go, whoa. They might go, whoa, then I go, I don't know. I can't quite follow that. But it doesn't mean they're awake. Brilliant people are not necessarily awake. The one who is awakened is hardly even noticeable. Not because they're parading around their, uh, their humility in baggy pants like Charlie Chaplin. Jason Browning. Go ahead, Jason. I've noticed that friends tend to be people who are reassuring people who say hey make you feel like things are okay or say things are okay should we have a reassuring quality to friending our ego bowing very good question and yes you should ego is unreal so that way you get to see it lap all that stuff up and you that's when you begin to see that it's unreal if you stop fighting with it don't fight with that this this ego here that, that that was there when I was born is still here. It's just no longer has a vote, no longer has much say so. Doesn't mean it isn't yammering at me every now and then. I listen, receive. I, I'm telling you, suggesting to you, teaching you if you're a student to just receive what happens and stop fighting with everything. 
this doesn't mean you let somebody get away with something that is uh, uh, misunderstand what I'm saying and let somebody abuse somebody else right in front of you. You stop them or you, you interrupt it in whatever way that is workable on the spot, on the spot. And why can you do it on the spot? Because you're always on the spot. Always on the spot. It's a wonderful feeling. You can do it. Start out with a cushion under your butt or a chair and face the wall. Find out who you are. Don't settle for anybody else's idea, including mine, of who you actually are. This is your birthright as a human being. It doesn't even have to be Buddhist. That's a structure that is very, very helpful and has been going on for 2,500 years, as you all know. It's a way of doing it. How much of that structure you're going to need is up to you. I needed as much as I could get, so therefore I'm a monk. You may not need that. You may just need to face the wall. You may need to go do something else, depending on your karma, that maybe this is not your path at all. Trust yourself. Don't trust the thoughts that arise, but trust the space in which the thoughts occur. You're probably going to need to practice in order to tell the difference between thoughts and space. You notice me smirk. Question. Shokobang, earlier you talked about Shikintaza and how that gets more and more difficult as we continue. Mm -hmm. What does befriending our ego look like as we go further along that practice? You're much more familiar with it and you're much, much less concerned with what it does or how it shows up. There's actually no one here. If you, you get so you can just look back and you can see the ego, but you also see it's, a, it's unreal. It has no it has no status. It's still there. It still might be the image I've come up with what, a few years ago. I'd say it's like a clown on the roof. It's a clown because it's unreal. It's made up. It's imitation, and it's trying to do something or say something. But it's on the roof because you no longer it's still around. You're not getting rid of it, but you no longer it doesn't have any uh, um, access to you whatever you happen to be doing, whether you're sitting or eating dinner or visiting with someone or listening to music. It doesn't come in and enter in necessarily. Just an image. Yes. Shokabai, does that contrast between the, the clown on the roof and what is seeing the clown on the roof collapse? It's already happened. It's happened before you saw it. Not separate. Nothing is separate from anything else. Frightening, huh? I think so. But do it anyway. Do it for your life. Do it for all beings. Save all beings. Put others before yourself. And how do you do that? You see how impossible that is to do. You can't really do it. We're just too self-centered and greedy. But we just do it anyway. Plenty of room for questions there. I'm ready to respond to whatever you bring this way if you have it. Wando. Wando Bowing, how does doing for others help us see our ego? Bowing. So it, it, it's uh, dependent on your particular style or anyone's particular style about how someone who just naturally is always helpful to others. 
another person who doesn't have that particular bent, but is trying to do that. So it would be, be quite variable. One of the ways that would show up is you can just see that you can look at your intention that you're, you actually want something and you're willing to do things, put others before yourself so you can get what enlightenment. So there's a kind of a, a transactional quality that happen, happens there. And it's, it may be necessary to see that so that, so that it will begin to fall apart. Because if you just look at something and you don't just see the, the leading edge of it and start to act on it right away, try to stop it, you actually see every bit of it because you're persistent and you're, and you're, you return to that, return to it, return to it, returning to the cushion over and over and over and look at this, whatever sense field you want to use, this smelly situation of self-centeredness. It's <clears throat> disgusting and it gets more difficult until you finally see that it's, it doesn't actually have any credential of being someone. It gets a cred credentials by grasping at uh, passion and by rejecting with aggression and by shutting down with ignorance the three poisons. It gets its positionality as somebody who, who's right or somebody who's somebody who's wrong, somebody who's ashamed. More positions, more positions. That doesn't look as much like ego, but it's just as uh, um, it's just as much a stake in the ground. I'm this, I am this person who is wrong. And just I never can make this up. People spend their whole lives regretting something they've done instead of just uh, as we do when we receive the precepts, we just all my ancient wrong actions, I fully avow. In other words, I acknowledge it. I've done a lot of stuff. Um, I'm aware of that. But there's no apology. I'm not saying that people shouldn't apologize. But I'm saying the apology and forgiveness just sets up another kind of the person who's done bad and the person who is so kind to forgive them. You don't have to forgive anyone if you see the truth and you don't blame people. I just don't blame. All dharmas are without blame. You're responsible for everything. You need to respond to every single thing that occurs. But all dharmas are without a singularity we call blame. You can see it doesn't fall in line with society very much. Well, the mind, how do we go down into um like the example that you used was um, in exchange for enlightenment, I'm doing good deeds. How would we go down into that? Just repetition. If, you, if, that, if, that, if that resonates with you a little bit, then just take it to the cushion and notice that you can't, you just see that what you're seeing there, you don't maintain any kind of contemplation of that, but you, you're, that's, that's there and you just continue your, to train your mind to see more and more clearly. Without, in other words, less and less grasping, less and less rejecting, less concluding, less, less excluding, just less. It's a minimalist or a, 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 with our current uh, situation with the whole the COVID situation uh, thing happening, the social distancing is another one that applies. Monks have been social distancing for centuries just to be able to train your mind because of the disease of society is so incredibly intense and, and uh, magnetic, pulls you into that. You have to make money. You have to get a good education. You have to, you have to, have to, have to, have to. So we pull ourselves back from that, train our minds. Not many people are interested. And if someone is not interested <clears throat> in this, they should not be convinced to respect people's confusion, their karma, and their, their uh, 
their insight, respect people's respect people with what people are doing more. Lavon, you said off the cushion too. Uh, how would we go into it off the cushion? Well, if it's something you're like you're asking the question, so you've contemplated that a little bit already to even come up with a question. So it's the same process. You continue to contemplate that. Bring uh, bring it up in the. Maybe you, you might notice some area in the teachings that seems to uh, that seems to apply that you could review and go over that. Talk to your teacher about it. Talk to the sangha uh, in in book study or in those kinds of situations. More. What is helping others that isn't a transaction? Uh, yeah, no demand. You just help. You don't look for results. This doesn't mean you don't look at a situation and see that, uh, see it so clearly that you see that the, the kind of help that you were giving is probably not so workable. But it doesn't mean that you're, you take your eyes off everything and say, well, just no demand, so I just won't even look at it. I'll just help, 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 help. But the, the transactional quality of I'm helping, like sometimes uh, parental situation sometimes comes up as, can't you see all I've done for you kind of things? Can you see how much I've helped you? People looking for some kind of transaction. I'll love you if you love me. And I don't know if that can be gotten rid of particularly, but we can see it. And that by just by seeing that that need for approval, or I'm helping, I'm doing this, I'm doing that. Like a tradition in the in the Buddhism, we don't do that so much here because our the structure of our society is so much different, but the, the traditional way this is done is you do anything for the teacher, the teacher will not thank you because you need to, you need to get all of that, all, all, all of that you're giving, the energy of, of your giving is taken away by being thanked by the teacher. So you just give to the teacher. We don't do that so much here because it just doesn't work. So I, if you give something to me, I probably will say thank you. Not all the time, no, have you noticed? So it means you just just give, give. It's your opportunity to just fundamentally give to someone without looking for any reward. Simply put, that doesn't mean that the teaching person is never not necessarily going to follow some kind of protocol of say I need to say thank you this time, but there's other person. That's, there's no there's no protocol for it, and so. Yokido. Uh, Yokuro Bowing, uh, there's a question in the chat box from Deb. Yes, if I see what I think is my ego and I feel self-consciousness, embarrassment, or shame, is that seeing the ego or am I adding to the ego or story? And then she adds later, sorry, Deb Bowing. Bowing. I like that. <laughs> that was a good follow-up. Sorry. <laughs> uh -huh. No, you're, the way you're describing it, absolutely, you're, you're looking at it. It just doesn't feel, you don't get much of a credential out of it. You don't get much. Uh, uh, so just look at it. Be persistent. Be persistent. Return to it. Return to it. You don't have to maintain any, any exploration. Just return to the exploration. And that way you're aligned with, with uh, impermanence. You're aligned with the very nature of the world that we're in. Everything is dependently arisen. You start try to maintain something, then there's some kind of self-centeredness, even if it's a high goal of enlightenment or saving all beings, don't maintain. Return, return, return. 
return to it. So what, the way you asked the question, uh, I have no doubt, no doubt whatsoever that you're actually doing what I'm talking about. As long as, and this I don't know so much about, you have a strong meditation basis. The basis needs to be the sitting practice of meditation. The ground is suffering. The path is train the mind to meditate. And uh, fruition is the truth. See the truth. See the truth yourself. You get to see it. And, and you won't need me or anyone else to come up and say, pat you on the back and say, yep, I think you're on to it. I think you got it. There's no, there's no uh, uh, gold star. There's no diploma. Not, not in the true spiritual path. There's just the truth. Thank you. Is there a point at which the personality stops serving the self and starts serving others? I don't know if I would call it a point, but that begins to happen. Everything gets on board eventually. So then the differentiation and desire is not running things anymore. It's still there. It's still looking for results. So that can still happen. That's why it's so damn confusing. Because we start to, the further we go, we start to feel like we're getting more self-centered, more egotistical, more, and we're trying to get rid of that. Or we don't understand why we'd, we would feel more self-centered uh, if, we're, if we're actually doing what this path is asking us to do, the words of the Buddha or the words of our teacher. Be with all things, save all beings, put others before yourself, and we start to get some kind of credential comes out of that. And then we get concerned. Give more, come on, help me. Choose everybody. How, when the personality shows up as self-centered, how, how do we put others before ourselves? You're doing it. You're, you're doing it. If you see that, you're doing it. You want me to tell you why? There isn't anyone else. There isn't anyone else. It's true, it's heartbreaking, and it's absolutely unbelievable. That's why. Keep going. When there's repulsion at personality in self or other, how do we befriend that? Just receive it. It's the ego mind, the self-centered mind, and the, the, the strategizing mind that is trying to find, separate the good things from the bad things and make sure that the good things helping others and the bad things being self-centered uh, are, we have some kind of way of knowing what that is. And so that's buying into a, an aspect of relative truth. It's not that easy. It's, it's even more difficult than that kind of separation. So that's why I say, just keep going. Keep keep looking at what moves. Keep training your mind. Keep sitting. Keep returning to the Buddha, the Dharma, and the Sangha, the teacher, the teaching, and the community as a structure to help you, you could say, wean yourself away from the attachment to success, from the attachment to uh, your idea, the relative idea of truth. More? Is it extra to try to engage with that? the personality that looks repulsive or to try to spend time around it? You mean hang out with your ego? Like have a drink with your ego? 
Yeah, I think that's all right. The way I the way I understand you asking the question, I would say yes, you could you could look at that. But I don't think I'm not going to say that to someone who who has has some kind of disturbance going on and has no basically no sitting practice at all. You've been meditating for years, and you've been you have been meditating and sometimes very intensely for long periods of time. And I know you; you're a student of mine. And I'm saying yes. Someone else might I might talk about it differently. More. Junchu Valley, regarding Jason's question. Yes. What does it look like to have a reassuring attitude toward the ego? Um, again, situational, uh, but we're not we're not separate from that situation. We don't have to get rid of that. We just have to see that it, it is unreal. It doesn't have any. It, it gets its nutrition from the warfare part. So uh, some, I'm going to use your word, some reassuring, but not too much. Some reassuring. It's too much, then we're getting into into grasping and hyping everything up and trying to trying to change the whole thing up so that we're, our ego is still involved, but it's really healthy ego now. It really is and it's not self-centered anymore. So a little bit of that, you'll know. You already know. Or? In the little bit that is helpful, what are we reassuring the ego of? When you ask the question, what do you think? That seems to be where I'm confused by it. Don't leave the confusion. Don't maintain it. But consider that. I, would say I'm, I could say more about it, but the way it's showing up, I would say just Take it to the cushion or take it to the legal pad. Write out what you're, what you're thinking about there, what that question is. Contemplate that a little bit. You're not as stuck as you think you are. Not, I would say, take it even further and say you're not stuck at all. That kind of a question has enough openness in it, especially for as a person who's as shut down as you are. I couldn't talk to you that way if you weren't a student of mine. You know what I'm saying. Further questions? Come on, you guys, help me out here. I have to go get somebody else. Do you have your hand up? Do you have a question? Go ahead. Shadow Um, When making friends with like normal friends, it's usually fun. Normal people? Yeah, like <laughs> with other people. Yeah. It can be fun, um, especially if we have like interests with them. Mm -hmm. um, can that dynamic show up with our self-centeredness? I think it can. I, I, I feel that it can. I'm, I'm pretty sure it can. But it's going to be different with each a person, you know, it's, it's like your ego is the self-centered, the defensive part, the protective part, the, the anything goes wrong, the self-blame that can come up or or the, if anything goes wrong, the protection goes up. And, uh, it's not me. I didn't do I don't, you know, don't do anything wrong. Some people just don't want to be corrected. Uh, some people invite 
that some people take the responsibility for whatever's happening immediately, even before it's kind of something they actually do. They just, they feel better just taking responsibility. So, but it's still uh, an aspect of narcissism or self-centeredness. So your, your situation would be, would be situational. I say that word twice. Uh, you have a situational situation. So, <laughs> Suck it up. <laughs> Live with it. <laughs> Can you be specific about it? I'll try to respond in a in a way that doesn't make things worse. Shadow I'm just wondering how or why that making friends with ourselves seems to be more um, has more fear or difficulty than making friends with a friend. Yeah. So the, the, when I'm, the way you're asking the question, I'm saying that the friend is you're just making friends with them. There's no, but this uh, ego is, is you. So that can be, can be threatening or be fearful. But you know, you could do it anyway. You don't have to do it all at once. You just do it slowly. The idea there is to get you, uh, this must be obvious, but if it isn't, I'm gonna say so. It's to get you to look at that construct that comes up in the, in the consciousness, which is all over the place which is everywhere, everything is conscious, but it just localizes in hearing, localizes in seeing, localizes in thinking, smelling, tasting, touching, feeling, being a human being, or looking at a, um, a mouse running across the floor. It, you, you actually are that mouse. You haven't left your body, but you are that body. You'll jump and run away from it, or you'll, or you won't, or you'll set a trap, or maybe you'll ignore the whole thing. So when it comes to your situation, just just a little at a time, just include that, just include those aspects of your mind that you may be trying to talk yourself out of or get rid of or justify or protect more. Sir. Jeez, I'm bowing. Is the aspect that's making friends with the ego um, any less suspicious than the ego? Did you think the ego is suspicious? Sometimes. Do you think the aspect of the mind that's making friends is suspicious? What is, I guess that's the, the main gist of the question is what is it that has the ability to make friends with ego? That aspect of the mind we call wisdom, which you cannot locate. It's not a thing, but it's just receives. Just, just receive. Receive everyone and everything. Uh, this doesn't mean if you receive somebody, you're going to met, let somebody come into the monastery who's who's off their uh, off their game, shall we say, in a, in a way that's that can be destructive. You can't help someone by trying to include someone who, by including them, it's like having a uh, save all beings from it or invite this alligator into the zendo. No, no. So you're discriminating awareness about the nature of situations. It's not obliterated, you still understand that, you see that. If there's a lot of self-centeredness, you'll be worried about being wrong. You'll be worried about maybe this person uh, should help this person, even though there's something about their, 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 their mind seems unstable. So you would, you would look at that and you would you'd relate to it. Uh, you would just uh, look at the space in which that occurs and relate to it fairly pragmatic, pragmatically more. Jeez, I'm bowing. 
um, if we can't find the aspect of mind that makes friends with the ego, is there any activity that is um, helping that friendship transpire or become apparent? I, I'm biased, extremely biased. Sit as much as you can. When I say sit down, hold still, look at the wall, look at the floor. You don't want to face a wall that close. As long as whatever you're looking at is not moving, then all of the senses are open and receive. That way, that aspect of consciousness that watches the movement in the mind becomes very, very clear. It's not cluttered with any kind of hand movement, any kind of mudras, walking meditation, not interested. Practiced it for 35 years. Don't do it anymore. Don't teach it. I'm not saying it's wrong. Go, go do it. Do it all you want. But it, it's more, it's more of, a, of a calming down of the mind rather than a seeing into what this is. I'm not against calming your mind. You may do, need to do a lot of that meditation. You may need to do it for indefinitely. You may never be interested in this or even ready for this kind of thing. That doesn't mean that this is somehow better than everybody. I'm not trying to say that particularly. So in the situation you're talking about there, uh, I think the, the way the question is showing up is that it's, it's just more stuff to kind of worry about. It's very simple, just it's very direct. Just have a willingness to, to not know what's happening in the midst of your activity, not know in the relative sense. That's why the vow is so important. I vow to be with all things. Whatever happens, I'm, I'm there. Whatever goes away, I'm there. I'm, I'm with that. That doesn't mean that you're at the mercy of uh, aggression or passion or aggression or ignorance from somebody else. It doesn't mean you're there. You have to maintain being with somebody who's uh, out of their mind. I sometimes say to people, give it 10 minutes. Or if you have somebody you're really, you have to see maybe a family member, it's just really difficult. Or a work, um, someone you're working with that's in your, in your community or in your milieu, in your uh, workplace, it's very difficult. Give them a little bit of time, and the time should be as high, shall we say, high quality as possible from the point of view of what I'm saying. Just receive, listen. Uh, after three minutes of listening, um, then you might say, I see how you mean, or I don't quite see that. Can you say more? Engage with the person so there's some kind of a, so that they realize that you're listening to them. Uh, there are people that want more than listening. They're listening, they want to fight with you. You say, well, They'll see that you're, there's too much listening going on or too much, and they'll misunderstand what's happening there for um, uh, you condescending. You're better than them. You're not going to relate. You're not, oh, you're not. Oh, you're so good. Oh, you're so, you're so peaceful. You're so peaceful, so you're not going to talk to me about this. That, that, those kind of challenges are very sticky, and the ego wants to step in and do some kind of defense. You don't. Not defend anything. More? Thank you. Why isn't there more? Say it. I'm not sure. Good response. <laughs> I'm not sure why I asked you that. Came from you. Here. Shokabai, with that kind of example that you just gave. Um, is there, how can you dance with that communication without further shutting down on it? You have to be dancing before you get there. 
You have to be a dancer. Not separate from anything. Say more. Shokabang, it just seems like sometimes if there's a an aggressive form of communication that sometimes it's it's difficult for me to see how to relate to that without making it worse. How are you doing it now? Uh, it seems like it would change, but sometimes I might just um, try and exit. Get away? Okay, what's the question? Shokoban, so when that kind of communication is arising, how can I work with it? So again, situation, situation, situation. If it's, it depends on what it is. It might, in some situations, it might be where you can just stand there and listen to the person and do your best to receive, excuse me, whatever's coming up without arguing, without disagreeing. And if they keep pulling at you, trying to get some kind of a stance out of you, then you, you can just lose. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how to, I don't know how I feel about that. I'm, I'm going to be giving you some kind of a response based on uh, kind of a generic thing, not knowing what you're actually dealing with. It would, it would have to come from you. And the way that you're going to know is to train your mind so that you can receive your own thoughts when there's no stimulus. There's no, you're not facing anybody. You're just sitting still and you're watching your own mind stream. And you know what, what happens there. You've done enough meditation to know anything can show up there. Especially with you, oh my goodness. You're like a gymnasium. Are you? Yes. <laughs> yes, go ahead. Shokabang, um, how can I work with the, the self-imposed standards of how that response should be or should look? So, you know, Shoka, just, just that you can say that, how can I work with self-imposed standards? You already are seeing that these are self-imposed standards. I'm not telling you that, and the other person isn't telling you that. You're seeing that. Just receive all of that. Receive what you just said. Receive the self-imposed standards and just don't act on any of it, particularly. Don't do anything with it. But if you try to stop it, you know, convince yourself, I should not be thinking that that's a self-imposed standard. I should I need to change that. I need to get rid of that. It's just warfare. And it's all about, it gets more and more sophisticated. It's all about protecting that that area of the consciousness in the, in the Yogacara tradition called the seventh consciousness or that paranoid part of the mind. It's not just the general thinking process, the sixth consciousness it has, a, has, a, a, has a relationship to that, but that area is not particularly worried about things. It's, it's coordinating whatever's happening, getting through a doorway, seeing the door, listening to a bell and knowing that the that bell that went off is the body that is hearing that, the person that is hearing that is the same one who's walking across the floor. That synchronization. But the paranoid area is about looking at otherness and getting uh, upset by it because there's fear or magnetized by it because there's something in it for me. I can get something from that situation, that person. So in your situation, just I would say when that shows up, look at the intention. If the intention is to be with all things, even if that person has hurt you or said something bad or done something uh, 
you know, if it's really uncivilized, you probably should get away from them. But if it's just something that they're they're afraid or they're fearful, they might be spouting things, if it's, especially if it's not a practitioner. But even if it is a practitioner, they're dealing with their their emotions and their feelings too. So insofar as you can, just receive it. And if it gets to be like too much of an overdose, then excuse yourself and leave. You've already worked with that to some extent over the years. More? No. So one last thing, since you don't have any more, I would say it's not, uh, you've heard this said before, but it's not about you. It's about others. Just don't try to fix the ego or get to be a better person, even though a lot of the teachings show up as that approach. But I don't teach that way. I say, be with all things, be with the person. This doesn't mean torture yourself. It doesn't mean that if the person is mistreating you, you stay around. No, you might might excuse yourself and leave and never talk to them again. Anytime they call you or text you, you might never might never talk to them again. You don't owe anybody anything. You don't owe that. But as far as your vow goes, be with all things. And if that situation happens to be terrible, unworkable, then you're being with that that situation by not doing that. Not staying there. Same same principle, same idea. Don't maintain. Just just return return to whatever it is. Just it's like a, a, a you know you touch on it and then you go or you leave. You, you you look at it, get a good feeling or understanding or insight into what it is, and then you see whether you can stay there or not. If you can't, then you leave. But if you can, then you stay there and continue to receive what that situation is coming, whether it's coming from a, a, a person who's having difficulty or giving you a hard time or, and what shows up that makes it so difficult is we actually think they need to be corrected or they we need to explain to them or they need to, you know, we need to do something. We can't just let them be, uh, from our point of view, um, wrong. Following it a little bit, yes. Sugar buying. If I just to use the example of like leave and never talk to them again, is the the discursiveness that says, "Well, I'm just not able to receive them." Is that uh, a misunderstanding of? Could be. So you you can also receive uh, receive that you can't you can't you just can't stay there. So you have to go somewhere else. So it might be that kind of receiving. But I wouldn't say when I say never see them again. I'm saying you might never see them again. I'm not saying don't come. I'm not saying you should come to a conclusion. I can't see ever see this person again. But it should always be fresh and new, day after day after day. You know, if the person contacts you. Uh, interacts with you if it's somebody in the monastery, which you can't pretty much can't get away from that. But then uh, always, always meet them. Uh, just use forms. Just be curious. Meet them. But if something starts to go into some kind of a difficult knot or something, you know, just do the do your best. But then if it gets too intense, then bow out. More. 
Further questions? Kevin Boeing. Yes, Kevin. Uh, to, to your point about not trying to improve oneself, one might one approach working with the mind as a way of kind of not being a nuisance to others, as Trungpa once said, bowing? Yes, I agree with that. That's, that's a good, don't be a nuisance. That's, as he said, uh, and I paraphrase, uh, you, you may not attain uh, enlightenment, but at least you'll stop being a nuisance to others. Actually allow people to, uh, and my way of saying it is respect people's craziness, respect their insanity. If it's if that is your opinion, your idea, if you, you're not going to be able to help them or yourself, if you're if you're disrespectful to people who are wound up in some kind of a, a ball of energy that that we would call as Buddhists, we would say this is a combination of passion, aggression, and ignorance with all kinds of you know knots and, and things that you can't really take apart. They have to be seen as being unreal before they will unwind. You can't take it apart. You can't unwind it. Even though psychologists have forever been trying to unwind, you could do something there. People will respond to therapy, psychotherapy, of course. But it doesn't handle the, the one, the one, the, the big mystery, which is death. And the spiritual path handles all the polarities. This one does. Jake Bowing. Um, when questions questions arise, um, sometimes I think, well, should I just ask it or should I just return to the cushion and observe what I'm at, wondering about? How do I know like when it's time to just ask the teacher versus continuing to return to the cushion? Oh, do both. Just return to the cushion and when you're not on the cushion, then ask the teacher and then return to the cushion. Ask the teacher again and then return to the cushion. You're going to have to do a little of each. And for to say, when, how do you know when? If you have a question, why wouldn't you? Some people will say, I had a question, but I know what you're going to say. So that's just really insulting to me. If I, if I don't know what I'm going to say, how the hell are you going to know what I'm going to say? There's no way you can know. And if I know you're, if you're one of those people that thinks that way, I will deliberately say things that are confusing to you. <laughs> so you never know. If I don't know what I'm going to say, I have no idea what I'm going to do, what I'm going to say. And to ego, that's risky because the ego is very concerned about being right and not being shunned or not being uh, criticized or not looking bad. Or uh, Some egos are, and then other egos aren't so concerned about that because they're so incredibly full of themselves and with so much, uh, what, pride or self-importance or that uh, we, we see quite a, quite a number of those on the world, so-called world stage of people who are convinced they're a real person with real powers just because they have a, an army at their command or a whole political party at their command. I don't know, we all know about it. It's not wrong, it's just misunderstanding. It's, it's a horrible one because it's so painful for so many people. So I would say rather than go out march on something or join something you know that has no mind training at all uh, my recommendation you don't have to join this but you might want to find out who you are don't get your identity from anyone anything 
don't get whatever that is from anybody, including the Buddha, including the Dharma, including the Sangha. Might need that as a support, but that's not the goal. Anything else? Can we close? Is there a final question somewhere? Yokoto Bowen. Yokoto, go ahead. I was going to read Deb's question in the chat box. Deb Bowing, in not defending my ego, I have deep feelings of wrongness. Do I have to allow or receive these feelings for however long they arise? Thank you, Deb Bowing. Yes, thank you for the question. Yeah, because if you have a if you have a if you have a time frame on that, that's more ego. No, let it suck. Yeah, I mean that. It's the first noble truth. Life is suffering. The Buddha was not a nihilist, nor was he an eternalist. He basically had no position. Otherwise, he could, could not have taught this incredible spiritual path that you can't just stumble on your own. At least I certainly wouldn't have been able to. So whatever, whatever occurs, it's like whatever shows up, uh, one attitude you can take, and this is not, I'm not the first one to say this, is uh, no matter what happens, don't agree, don't disagree, don't look away. And another way of saying it is, uh, if I were to say it as an expression, I don't care if I'm miserable forever. It's not, it's, if, it's, if it's showing up, you need, it's, it's your life. Don't miss your life by thinking you need to cover up. This is what people do when they get all involved in drugs. Just one way, I mean, I'm not that there are other ways, they something's really terrible and so they try to drug themselves so they don't feel that way either drug themselves with uh, socially so-called acceptable things or pharmaceuticals or not incorrect not against painkillers but should be really looked at with awareness we should look at it with some some um, tentativeness about anything we do when something shows up to correct it cover it up or do away with it. Look at it closely. There's nothing to fix. There's nothing broken. The the, the tradition in the, uh, the um, of uh, Long Champa, great Tibetan master, was uh, the great perfection. Nothing to fix. You have to see what it is, and and that seeing is wisdom. And that one who sees is not uh, not a a separate being. It's, it's not a being. It's also not separate from beings. That's why it's so difficult to comprehend and why it is taught as emptiness. It's emptiness of what you think it is, but it's full of what it actually is. This is called Buddha nature. And it can't be created, it can't be destroyed, and you fundamentally can't even discover it. You have to uncover it. If we can close on that sour note. <laughs> May the merit of this penetrate to all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Buddha's way.
directions, the three worlds, all Buddhas, all venerable ones, Bodhisattvas, Mahasattvas, the great Prajna Paramita. O Buddhas and Bodhisattvas of the ten directions and the three times, please hear us. Please come down out of the light and protect Sokokoji Buddhist Temple Monastery, our Sangha, families, friends, and visitors. Heal everyone who is unhappy, sick, or suffering and fill them with light. If you value the teachings of Sokozan and you would like to support his teaching work and the functions of Sokokoji Buddhist Temple Monastery, which also supports monk and practice residents, please consider giving a donation by visiting our website at sokokoji.org dot o r g